Welcome to Listen With Your Eyes, the show that is heard, not seen. I'm your host, the blind guy, Callum Brennan, and on this podcast, we'll be discussing what it's like to live with a disability. Let's get started. My magnificent guest on this episode is Hubert. Welcome. Hello, Callum. I take the, I take that magnificent. I like that. Yeah, I've, I've, I take that title. Yeah, I thought you would like it. Really, really trying to make people feel uh, good when they uh, come on. No, definitely. Yeah, but you're good today. Yeah, I'm very good. Very good. I've managed to finally get on board with Discord. I never used this before. I've used pretty much everything during this pandemic. Discord still haven't used it until today, but yeah, pretty good. Cons- considering that. Out of the two of us, you're the one who is uh, the better with technology. Um, I mm-hmm. I find that quite um, an achievement that I've introduced you to something. Yeah, you have. You I've, you beat me to it there because I've never heard, I've, I've heard of it, but like most people, I've never used. It. I'm like, what what is this for? Yeah, to be fair, I haven't lot been long using it. Um, so um, if we were uh, get started uh, with. Uh, with what we're going to do, uh, where are you from, Hubert? Where do you live? Uh, I currently live in Bedford, so East Anglia region, kind of looking at forty minutes from London on a tr- to London on a train, kind of Luton, Luton Keynes area. Sure. Okay. And um, have you always uh, lived there? Lived in a few places. Originally born in Poland, moved here, lived in Bedford, then lived in Hereford for a few years. So, of course, yeah, been kind of around a few places. Yes, um, Hereford. Obviously, we will get to um, again for listeners. Hubert is uh, another one of the many um, who I met at the Royal National College for the Blind. So we will get to that, but. Uh, yeah, so you mentioned that you were born in Poland, and I guess to uh, the main reason we're here, uh, were you born blind? Yes, I was. I think I was born quite early. I think it was four months early. So right. that was linked to my basically early urge to get into the big bad world, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So was it a result of your um, premature birth that, led to your blindness it wasn't like it was an inherited thing no no yeah it was you know due to being born early i think my retinas were detached and yeah no no not not inherited as far as i'm aware <clears throat> okay that's fair so you mentioned uh again we meant that you were in poland um and how, how old was it again that you uh moved over to england uh it was in i was 11 so it was 2007 I've we've actually decided to move okay um to the UK which I still think was probably the greatest move ever really sure so I guess as you may have uh sort of implied there with uh you're saying it's a great move how how did you find being in Poland uh and being blind I mean how's how does it compare I guess is what I'm asking I guess at the time when I lived there, which obviously was quite a considerable time ago. Sure, yes. I mean, it wasn't bad because you were still looked after by the, by, by the government. You, was, you know, the system still helped you out. I think 
the difficulties were not as such with the system more it was kind of with the with the people you encountered on a daily basis which was more of a problem but when it came to the system of education and everything else I'm not going to say it was terrible because it was the best they could have probably offered considering you're looking at mainstream education but sure I think the difference here is and I mean this in the nicest possible way I just feel more equal and equal compared to everyone else of course when it's there you were I, there were times where you kind of feel like a lot of people and you still get it here but in there you kind of feel like a lot of people don't know really what to do with you and kind of don't know how to approach you and I think you get it here but I find you I here it's not as prominent really sure uh, isn't to say their attitudes are bad i think every country's attitude is going to be different and that's if that was if every every country's attitude was the same i think it'd be extremely boring so <laughs> sure that's fair so um so you were so you would have been in um well at least is um so primary level while you're in poland you were in mm -hmm. mainstream education there yep yeah. And was that experience okay? Like, um, as far as like, how did you go about uh, doing your work? I think the experience was good because in a sense that they've done what they could to help me access work and for me to be, to feel like a part of my class and everything else. I think they've done the best job they could have. I think the difficulty was, I was, and I don't know whether it was, dependent on the person that was working that was supporting me or you know whether it was their expectations or the expectations of the school or whatever I always thought I had to do twice as much of the work as everyone else which I think was probably the hardest part to deal with sure but as hard as it was to deal with I you know maybe it was something that has then improved improved my approach to education for the future possibly and to hard work I'm not sure but could have been that okay and uh, we've had, uh, with previous guests, uh, the talk of um, learning Braille. Was that, did you learn that when you were growing up? Was that your main way of working? Or Actually, no. Braille is something I've learned when I, probably about, looking back now, probably about nine years ago, I've actually learned Braille. So it wasn't something I actually started learning from my childhood, mainly because I did have, partial sight because of some uh, some surgeries I had when I was a child. Okay. They did restore a lot of my sight for at least a limited time anyway that right. I had with it. So at first I was actually able to you know handwrite my work and sometimes write it on a computer depending on what was necessary but Okay. I think it, yeah in that kind of my education kind of changed as my sight did over the years really. Okay. So so you're saying um, that uh, you had operations to give you some sight back because, again, so you had no sight when you were born. Like, mm -hmm. um, What age did um, these operations happen? I think I was about eight months old, so I don't remember much of it. But, yep, yeah, it was eight I was eight months old when this happened, I think. Okay. And do you, like, fair enough, you don't know exactly, but, like, sort of a rough inclination of how much sight... Uh, you had after the operation? Think, well, one of my my left eye was never good. My right eye was quite decent. I think to compare, I think I was able to, you know, ride a bike. I was able to read probably a size 24 font, that sort of thing, you know. 
I could okay. walk on my own without any mobility aids, that sort of thing. So it was fairly decent. I could play games. I can do quite a lot of things. Sure. You know. That's, that's fair. Uh, and how long did... I guess, how long was it before uh, your site deteriorated back to being, you know, none? I think we're going back to 2010 there when kind of it started getting worse. Okay. I think it, I was walking because it was it was snowing snowing then, which was a rarity anyway. Sure. I was walking, and when you when you look at the white snow, and suddenly there was like a red dot. Can you imagine like a gunpoint right. in front of my vision? And I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. And that little blood leak that it turned out to be kind of caused my sight to them for the next from 2010 for the next few years kind of deteriorate very slowly, which was on one hand frustrating, on one hand. A blessing to help me adapt, but yeah, and that's when it started. Okay, so it was uh, so it was once you were um, over here, like in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, had you you mentioned that you were able to move around without an aid? Was it mm-hmm. not until your sight started deteriorating again, again, or had fully deteriorated that you learned to use a cane? No, I think because I was visually, I was partially sighted, so I was still visually impaired in a sense when I came here. They still wanted, in Poland, they didn't give me any cane or anything. They didn't want to hear of this. But when I came here, they taught me how, they taught me how to use a cane. And they did want me to use it, to be fair. And I think being a stubborn child, stubborn 13 year old teenager, you kind of, I didn't personally think I needed to use it. I used it on occasion to not be caught out, but a lot of the times I didn't use it because I didn't feel I needed it until things started getting worse when I kind of decided yeah I probably need to use it more I think it took me fall down in a ditch once to probably decide oh, yeah I probably need something more than that I think that would be uh, mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't uh, come to the conclusion after that yeah probably dangerous that <laughs> yeah but it happens I know um, mm-hmm. no, for me I I think I've, I may have said it before on this podcast but it took for me to fall down some stairs for me to start using it um, on a daily basis when I was a kid. I think it's difficult because I think the problem is because when you use it, and it's not something obviously we, I, I encourage, but when you use it, a lot of people give you funny looks, which they shouldn't because it's an absolutely ridiculous thing. It's a normal thing, a cane, you know? Yeah. But when we're kids... A lot of the, a lot of us when we're kids have this perception. You know, we don't want people to give us funny looks. We don't want people to think of us differently. But you know, at the end of the day, at some point there comes a there comes a kind of a, a little event which kind of your brain kind of flips from that to kind of going, well, actually, my personal safety is a more important thing. And I think that changes our approach. And I think yeah, it takes sometimes these events falling downstairs, falling down the ditch. You know spraining an ankle or something when you could have avoided these little things that kind of make your brain switch and kind of go yeah maybe this is a hint quite a big hint to to do something differently yeah no exactly uh i also think it doesn't just help you from a mobility point it's also the fact that and again as you said when you're growing up this is the kind of thing you don't want but it really does serve you well that it is a symbol to let people know that you can't see so you know if you accidentally bump into someone say they know it you know it's not you being rude or anything 
it's just it's a good yeah, yeah it's good to raise awareness it helps to let people know and you know the only thing you're then relying on is people reacting sensibly or whether people will scream as if you're trying to kill them that varies on person to person but yeah it's good to raise awareness and to show people i think sure. because that way you know people will spot you people will offer to help with you know and on or some people will just yeah run away yeah no, everyone's different on that one. Hmm. So, when you came over here, you're saying that they um, taught you to use a cane, uh, and you continued being in mainstream education. Yeah, until 2013. Yes, yeah, so for about six years, okay. I was pretty much in mainstream. Right, and uh, how was your experience like being in mainstream think, education in England? I think it was really positive. I think. You know, there were negative parts, but there will be negatives anywhere, no matter what part of life you can talk about. But, you know, there were positives because you felt you were treated like an equal, more like an equal. I mean, you know, to the kids, you were still known as the blind kid. But at the end of the day, that's that's kids. You know, they're on the same education level as you. You have to be you have to have a bit of a level headed approach to kind of be a bit more forgiving to some of the kids. But, you know, education wise you know external supports came come, when it, when they came in they helped a lot to help to achieve things it was really good because everyone was as accommodating as they could possibly be based on their own understanding and you were allowed to be a student you know it's like when you were in polish schools when i was walking around corridors i was not able to walk on my own i had to hold on to someone when i was kind of in schools here they kind of said here's a cane Here's all the roots. Now you know them. Do what you want. And it was the feeling of freedom and the same freedom that everyone else has that kind of was sure. extremely brilliant. And the ability to, you know, you uh, in Poland you were put in a group with people with a, with a separate with different students. Right. When as here you were put in group of with everyone else. Okay. So it was tricky at times, but you felt. I don't like to use the word normal because we're normal and we shouldn't treat ourselves as abnormal, but you felt equal, I think, is probably the better word. Yeah, and you're allowing... It sounds like you very much enjoy the element of being allowed some independence. <laughs> yes, I think it's a good thing to experience because, A, independence is... Experiencing independence is something that then taught me to thrive off my independence, but also of course. I think experiencing mainstream helps you to learn to experience the good and the bad point bad sides of life because i think i think a struggle will be for people in specialist education all their lives i think the big struggle is when they go out to the big bad world it seems so different so foreign from the special in specialist environment they grew up in so an experience of mainstream i think is crucial to understand life a bit more of course yeah no that's fair enough <clears throat> apologies so you mentioned like with uh, kids knowing you as uh, the uh, the blind one, but was it like were you actually like given jip, um, you know, bullied, or was it just more the fact that it was a way of distinguishing you? Because I ask, I guess, because I think context is key. I think it was, you know, there was bullying involved. I think it's safe to say there was. Um, whether it was because because I was because I was blind, you could say that. I think some of it was to kind of have a label to recognize the person, to know that, oh, he's the blind kid, you know, help him out if needs be. 
or if he's struggling, help him out. So I think it was a mixture of both, really. I think sure. some students took it as an opportunity to kind of go, oh, he's weaker, let's take the mick out of him. Or And some people kind of, well, well he's blind, so if he's struggling, we'll be nice and help. So I think it would depended from student to student, really, and person to person. Yeah. No, that's fair. I guess I was just uh, wondering, because I know um, I experienced bullying in primary school so when I was younger, but secondary school wasn't too bad. And I've always said to people, if I'm known as the blind person, so say there's multiple Callums in my year at school and someone has a conversation where it's there like, I was talking to Callum the other day and someone goes, which one? And they go, oh, blind Callum. That's fine. You know, that's I think, I think, that's just the, that's just a way to tell you apart. But if it's there, like you know, oh, which one? You know, Callum the blind effer. Uh, you know, it's. I'm going to avoid. I think it all swearing, depends the yeah. personal approach, really. I think, yeah. you know, you have some people that take the mic and some people that use us to distinguish you, which is fine. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it just depends to the context. If people use it in the right context, I don't really mind what I'm called. No, exactly. As far as people use it in the right context, it works. To me, it's. it's as far as um, distinguishing you from other people, it's no different to saying someone's, you know, someone's ginger, mm. or you know, in my <laughs> in my mind, or you know, the you know, someone wearing glasses. It's well, I agree. Know, it's the same. It's the, it's the same. It's the same principle, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you mentioned it would have been whilst you were at secondary school that your sight deteriorated. As far as adapting to that, was, you know, like, did it take quite a bit of effort for you? I think it did, but I think what was helpful, and I think this Crampton helpful in this situation is quite tricky, but helpful was the fact that it went very slowly, so you could slowly adapt, and I think the good thing is certain people who who are working with me saw it quicker than others, kind of thinking that my sight's getting worse, so... I was basically being shown all the technology that blind people use before I was actually physically blind, which helped them because I knew obviously right. what I was dealing with. So I think there was a lot of things that was I was experiencing beforehand, which was very handy. And any other things that I had to learn, I could learn in time because as it was going slowly, I knew that it will go. I think in the back of my mind, you always had I always had this thing kind of going, it's going to go at some point, so I might as well adapt now. So then, when it actually does happen, I'm 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 not having to make up lost ground and that sort of thing. <clears throat> sure. So I guess that's like we're talking about like from a academic, more so kind of way there. But I guess I'd also wonder like socially, or was there like any hobbies that you had to adjust to? Like I don't know, either not been able to do them the way you had been or you know you had to change the way that you would interact with them i think when it came when it came to social activity i think social activity was always difficult in mainstream in general when when you're vision impaired because sure you relied on people helping you to an extent and you had to have friends that were understanding and i've had a few that were thankfully but social activity you know but the more visually, the more sight I was losing, the more I was relying on technology. Which you know, my biggest hobbies were gaming, tech, and audio production. Which 
Sure. Obviously, as my site was going, I had to change the tech, the equipment I was using. You know, I couldn't sit there and play, you know, Grand Theft Auto when I couldn't barely see anyone trying to kill me. So, yeah. you know, it things like that were changing all the time. Technology I had to use changed all the time. So socializing changed too because the more I discovered technology, the more I discovered the online way of, you know, a lot of blind people were talking to friends. For, they made from all over the country online. You know, a lot of these things like that came into play as well. So, socially, that also changed. Okay, cool. That's uh, uh And so, I guess we'll go to 2013 when you were saying is when you went to specialist education, and that would be you starting at. RNC, yes. Yeah, I think it was a. You still there? Yes, I am. Sorry. Yeah, it's, sorry. it's a tricky decision because it was a big change, but it, I've reached the kind of point where where I was at was not offering me the skills I wanted. You know, that was the time where I decided actually the things I want to study, which at the time was actually radio production. And obviously, I've changed directions, career directions since because of what things that happened at college. But at that time, I wanted to do radio production because I was doing it already, but right. not in an academical academic sense. So no one could often be that here. You know, most media courses said, "No, you're going to work on video," and I said, "Well, good luck with that. That's not going to hmm. happen, really." And you sure. know, and then I contacted RNC and I said, "Do you do music tech, radio production?" They said, "Yes, we do." And to me. That kind of was an option that can't be thrown away, really, because I've reached a stage where I wanted to actually get proper qualifications that I want to help me with my career and interests. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a quick one, really. At the end of the day, that's what I wanted. Sure. Uh, how did you uh, find out about uh, RNC? Um, well, it's actually when I was then discovered Twitter at one point, and I would pretty much look all, all over all sorts of places and. I think I found their account and I randomly followed them and they started contacting me and I think that was 2012. Okay. And I nearly went it went there then, but then I decided no, I actually need one more year to finish what I was doing because I was already doing um two a, a year worth of courses. So I said I'll put it on the backbone for now until on the backbone for now until next year. Okay, that's cool. So what? So you're at RNC for three years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess if you want to like talk about what you sort of went into a bit there anyway, like what you did and how you found it as well. I think, well, I started doing radio production and music tech as my academic qualifications. And then a year later discovered I'm actually obsessed with technology. So I went on to IT plus also multiple kind of independence courses, which I think was another crucial reason I went there to obviously learn a lot of things which I still do to this day, so I will always remember that. And also to make friends, and I, I, no disrespect to the friends I met in mainstream because that would be harsh on the people that were actually nice to me and treated me like an equal, but yeah. meet friends who understand you from a different perspective. Sure. By different perspective, I mean people that deal with the same or similar issues to the ones you're dealing with, Yeah. which obviously is a completely different kind of friendship. Yeah. No, that... That makes sense. And you, um, you enjoyed your time at RNC. 
Absolutely. I think, again, as I've said before, you get good parts, you get bad parts, but that's life in general. However, there's still there's things that I'll, I've taken out of there that I would never get, never have had if I didn't go there. So, absolutely, I think it as it, you know, it wasn't always easy, but it was worth the hard graft. Okay, well, that's fair. <clears throat> and I mean, what have you been up to since finishing RNC? few projects i've been kind of uh doing a lot of voluntary things so i've been doing a lot of technology training that's something we're doing for quite a while um recently i've been doing more sporting activities doing vi tennis i've also joined my local sight loss council which has recently started as a member so that's something i've also got i'm also kind of carrying on um I also am working on launching my own work as well, my own product as well, my own podcast. So it's the kind of way of looking, I'm looking for work, but while I'm looking, I'm keeping busy to kind of prevent myself from spiraling down a dark mental health hole that a lot of people will struggle with sometimes when coming out of main, of a specialist education, coming back home and finding that although they have qualifications, finding a job is not very easy. So you have to think of the ways to keep yourself busy and, you know, with whatever you can. Sure. No, definitely. Um, do you want to, uh, as you've uh, mentioned it there, do you want to give a little bit of detail, like title or um, the content of what your podcast will be? So the podcast, I mean, I've had a blog for, since which I started at college called VI Sound and Vision, which... I love blogging, but it involves a lot of typing when I'm probably better with talking, as probably this interview has shown, considering how much I couldn't, sh I can't shut up. Um, uh, so good. it's a podcast basically about technology, and I'm no tech journalist, I'm no tech expert, which I think makes a change, because there's a lot of techie podcasts where these people that you know are either tech experts or tech journalists do their own thing, and I'm no disrespect because I follow a lot of them, but... It's good. I think it's a podcast where basically someone that uses technology to live their daily life kind of talks about it, shows it off, you know, involve tech tips, tech demonstrations, tech reviews, tech opinions, sure. you know, discussing things like that. It's basically a bit of every a bit of everything coming from someone who's just a tech user rather than a tech expert that uses it only for work purposes sort of thing. It's called VI Sound and Vision as well. So the same title as my blog. The first episode is going to hopefully launch end of February, beginning of March. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully uh, it will be on Audio Boom and hopefully on also Spotify and um, Apple Podcasts as well, if everything works out te technically correctly. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, if you like your tech or if you want to learn more about how tech is used from a visually impaired point of view or want to hear someone just talk about tech in general and it, you know have an entertaining chat that's probably that as well to be honest so feel free to give it a listen yeah no definitely <clears throat> after you've listened to this of course uh, exactly <laughs> and just uh you know go in between <coughs> when it you, mm. as the episodes Switch come a up few. yeah have a few exactly so uh you mentioned vi tennis earlier uh i'm aware there will be some uh potential or even a lot of listeners uh, who aren't really aware 
of VO tennis and <coughs> how it differs from regular tennis. So do you mind uh, expanding on that? I think the main difference obviously is the when it comes is the ball because obviously when a normal tennis ball you can only hear it when it bounces but this ball has uh rattles in it so you can hear it coming towards you when it's being thrown sure there's probably a more professional explanation from professional vi tennis players out there but the basic of it is you've got the ball coming towards you you can hear it you it bounces you've got a certain amount of bounces based on your sight level you basically can hit the ball because you can hear it i think that's the simplest way of explaining it. There's a lot more complex rules and stuff that even I sometimes don't understand, but that's the simple way. Sure. But I guess if people are wondering, like, it's the same, like, you have a, it's the same kind of racket. Yep, the racket's the same. Yeah. The the net in the middle, the same? Yeah, you've got a net in the middle, you've got a racket, you've got a court, which in probably professional matches and tennis clubs is actually marked. The court is not... You've got lines, but they're more you. They more use as well ropes to make sure you can actually feel the court. Yes, rather exactly. than kind of yeah, not sure what on earth you're doing. Yeah, so there are a few differences, but yeah, that's cool. And what uh, what made you uh, choose like VI tennis? I think it was a few things. One was I wanted to do some sport rather than I don't mind doing home workout routines because it's fine, it's good, it's still healthy, it still it keeps your fitness up. But I wanted to do some sport that I haven't done before and my sure. local site charity put out this email saying oh there's VI tennis here's the guy's number and I wasn't sure at first but then I went to a conference um, and they had a British Blind Sport as a spe- guest speakers there and they bought some equipment and they said well why don't you try it and I did and I was like it's hitting balls quite as far as you can with a racket I can't say I'm going to complain too bad so I tried it, and I was like, and I was like, I quite enjoyed it. So I joined my local club, and since then I've been playing for about three years. Okay, that's cool. And is it is that your main source of uh, exercise and fitness then? It's a it's something I do once a week, but also I do daily ex daily exercise as well when I can, when health allows. I do ex- daily exercise to keep fit. So you know, using again technology to keep track of my fitness activity i'm very much into being active and tennis is part of the part of what inspires that okay that's fair <clears throat> so we mentioned uh, about getting around like using a cane uh i know some may wonder have you ever considered or looked into getting a guide dog yes uh well there's an interesting story there because i did start the application process uh say four years ago and for personal reasons i had to pull out because i just didn't feel i was ready yet i think it took me it took me kind of looking at things a bit more closely to work out that i wasn't ready so i dropped out and then Three years ago, once I became more independent and I was traveling more within, traveling more across the country rather just in within one town, I think I decided that I could apply for it again. So I'm currently on the waiting list. Okay. My uh, first dog. That's good. Uh, when did you, how long have you been on the waiting list at this point? Well, since October 11th, 2018. 
okay. which usually it would have been fine, but I guess because of a pandemic arriving, yeah. everything got pushed back so far. Yeah, I'm, you know, it's understandable. That I guess that that waiting list, the wait on the waiting list that I've got at the moment, is probably not what it would usually be Definitely. if times were normal. But yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense because I going to say you say October. <laughs> 2018 and um mm. the pan i know um they do say like average to be on the wane list is like one to two years so obviously the pandemic would have been would have started slap more or less slap bang in the middle of it so well if it, not the pandemic i would have probably gotten something between april and october 2020 but exactly yeah, yeah. sadly couldn't have happened yeah we'll see good luck with that and uh i hope you find uh having a guide dog as uh, beneficial as I know many including myself have got a lot of friends that have guide dogs so we know I, and I've seen how much confidence it gives them so now I look forward to you know hopefully gaining the same advantages really yeah same benefits no definitely so you said um like four years ago you didn't think you were ready was it mainly because you weren't traveling much or I think it was the case that I knew one or two or three routes. So I knew the right amount of routes for the application. But in my mind, I still felt like that wasn't enough for the dog to have enough work. So I thought I could be taking away an opportunity from someone who might need it more. So I thought, while I'm still working on getting more independent, let someone else have the chance. And I can do it again when when I feel more equipped for it. Since there's no t- there's no limit as to when I can do it. That's fair. <clears throat> and you talk about like starting to travel more, which is what led to it. Like, what exactly like led to you traveling more? You mentioned you talked about conferences. Was it like going to things like that or seeing people? It was going to conferences, but I think the key was, first of all, being taught how to train travel when you're blind, and that was that's again what I learned at RNC, which is yeah. one of the many skills that I will never forget they taught me, because it allowed me to do pretty much everything now. I travel to see friends, I've traveled, I've traveled for friends, I've traveled for voluntary work, you know, I've traveled for all sorts of reasons, yeah. and that's something that gives you the freedom of kind of you know, you can go and see anyone you want, wherever you want. And it's it's a brilliant feeling because you can just expand that so well. Definitely. I guess uh, we sort of moved on for it, but we can go back to as far as R&C because that would have come under mobility training that you gave there. But did you find the independent living skills beneficial? Oh, absolutely. I think because you go in there... When I went in there, yeah, I knew how to do certain things from the living skills section, but there's a lot of things that you, you know, like I've learned to cook more sophisticated things than just heat up a plate of food. Yeah. You know, learn to walk to various places, learn to, you know, get on buses and all sorts of things that I didn't know how to do before. So it was very beneficial because they, they taught me skills that I still use. So it's something that I'd always remember and I'd recommend to people who need it. Yeah. Because it really does change does change your life. Some You might not see it at first, but you do eventually, well, as, as the time goes on, how much independence you gain, you, you, you see that, you notice it. Yeah, no, definitely. 
<clears throat> so to go a little bit back, so we were talking about like hobbies and you're talking about like um, gaming and stuff. Is that along with your IT interests, like and playing tennis? Is there anything else that you um, do in your spare time? I think socializing is something I do a lot, uh, whether it's virtual or physical, whenever, depending on restrictions and such. Yeah. Yeah, gaming definitely uh, as well. Books, podcasts, football. I'm a big sport fan. I'm a big. I love following various sports. Something that I've always also enjoyed. Follow many sports, and that's something that again during this pandemic, being able to follow sport when once they've decided it can carry on again it's something that really keeps you going sure no definitely um what sports uh specifically i follow quite a few including football rugby union nfl good old cricket so yeah quite a few Ten- tennis as well i do tend to follow the big big grand slams as well okay and do you just um i assume you just like watch them on on a computer or on the TV, and do you just rely very heavily on the commentary? Yes, I think I follow on watch on the TV. If I if they don't have a radio commentary, then yeah, I will follow follow it on the TV. And outside of the games, I will listen to like previews and reviews of and post game reviews as well to help me understand what's happened. But yeah, radio commentary is probably my favourite because you get such a good picture plus. Yeah, naturally. I mean, TV commentary is not bad, depending on what sport you follow. Subs better than others, but if needed, that or that will do as well. Yeah, but no, definitely, it would. It makes sense, I guess, that uh, radio would be better because they're obviously doing it, knowing that people, you know, abled or disabled are not able to, you know, watch. Mm-hmm. So I guess they they are. They tend to be more descriptive. Yeah, absolutely. You get a lot more detail out of it, and you know it. And plus, also, it's more convenient because you can get radio on anywhere. You know, you can sit there in the car and listen to the commentary. You can sit sit on the bus and put it on. You know, it, it, when TV commentary, you you have to watch the screen constantly, and it kind of makes it. You, that's radio. You can do it inconspicuously. You can just sit there with your headphones in and listen. Sure. And get so much more detail out of it. Yeah, you know, you get a lot more. And it's key, especially with sport, when there's certain details that you can easily miss if you're watching on the screen because the commentators will not have to mention them yeah. if they can be seen. Yeah, definitely. So when it uh, comes to these uh, sports you mentioned, uh, uh, if you don't want to uh, reveal yourself, you don't have to, but do you have uh, particular teams? <coughs> uh, football-wise, big Chelsea fan. London's always blue. Yeah. Um, I tend to support the teams are fashionable to hate. In the NFL, I do support the Patriots. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. To name but a few. <laughs> yeah, I can see what you mean. Uh, as far as I know, the Patriots are definitely the team. Love to, people love to hate the Patriots, but yeah, it's fine. I think it on happens. the football end, I think I have you beat on that one. As far as the team I support, being a Man U fan. Probably, but you'll be surprised how many fans I've met that that hate Chelsea. To be honest, yeah, I think it goes goes both ways, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely combined. I think our teams are among the few fashionable teams to hate. 
in the in the in, in football. Yeah, I'd say they're probably in the top three in in mm. yeah in the Premier League along with Liverpool. Yeah, I'd say so. Which which granted, I'm on that train when it comes to Liverpool, but oh, that's, absolutely, uh, you know, Darb, you know, the Lancashire derby and all that. Um, yes. But that's that's cool. Um, you mentioned. Uh, gaming, I guess uh, people may be interested to know, like what kind of games you play, like uh, how do you play them, and all I that. I think a bit of everything. I think what you, the difference with gaming is you have to you're obviously more limited being blind as to what games, but you have to look at gaming accessibility. Of course. And I think, yeah, you get a mixture of games. I think you know, I can play. You can play like text-based adventures where you kind of press various buttons and make choices and all that, which I find incredibly boring. Or you can sure. play like you know, various games. There's a game I'd play called Downtown Mafia, which you kind of... It's a half-text-based game involved pressing buttons rather than rather than punching things, but, you know, it's kind of... You go through a story, complete missions and all that. It's kind of, you know... And I go through other games such as Fantasy Football, which is very mainstream, and I think yeah. it's also good to play games which you can play with sighted people, and Fantasy Football is one of the big ones. Definitely. Or you can go fully immersive and do something that a lot of blind people love doing, which is audio games, which is a completely different, different, different circle because it's a game that relies completely on using audio to play. And for people that haven't actually heard of that, an, an aspect of a completely audio-based game with no visuals is something quite fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Have you? Are you saying? Do you, have you played many of those? Oh, I've played quite a few. There's, you know, some of them unfortunately aren't really supported anymore, but I've played <clears throat> various audio games. A lot of them do involve about the same concept of fighting things, but not not all of them that I played did. There's a, you know, there's sports, there's racing games that I've played where you kind of you rely on audio to help you navigate the tracks and stuff. It was quite, it's quite, quite the engines they use is pretty fascinating because. I never heard of audio games until obviously I lost my sight, so I didn't know how. Yeah. You know, people were talking about them. I was like, "This sounds unachievable. It sounds weird." Until you play it and you kind of play it and kind of go, "Oh yeah, it re- it works really well." Yeah, no, that's good to know. That's definitely very, especially for people who uh, are not in the blind community. I'm sure it's something that's very fascinating. I think the best game, I think the first audio game I've ever tried, which is fairly simple, is called Audio Archery, when I think, which I think is still available somewhere on the app stores, which is very basic because you kind of pull back your bow and you kind of listen to the target moving from left to right and you lift your finger up when it's in the center, when you think it's in the center and shoot. Okay. And I think it's a basic concept audio game which will introduce you to it. True. And then you can from there dive into quite a deep, hole, deep wormhole of audio games, which is fantastic. Yeah. it's very good <clears throat> so you mentioned uh, books so when it comes to reading them do you do you do like a e-book with voice reader or do you do audio books I'm more of an audio book person because as much as it's good to have the option to read e-books because not everything is, an, is, is, as an, is available as an audio book yeah. but to me because even when I was partially sighted reading for me always was straining and tiring i've always had whether it was my family reading me books or whether it was an audiobook to me nothing beats 
a book read by a natural human being rather than a computerized synthetic sure. voice. As much as synthetic voices can be quite natural nowadays, not, it still can't beat a natural human voice that will narrate it and do their own voices and everything else. Definitely. So audiobooks is always something I loved. Do you have uh, like any particular favorite books or genre? Uh, genres probably I'd go for well mainly at the moment I'm kind of reading a lot of fantasy fa- a lot of fantasy fiction and such okay um that's probably what I'm kind of I, I, but I do like a bit of everything I do like crime thrillers and some biographies but yeah more, currently fantasy is what I'm into most <clears throat> that's good so what about film or TV are you bothered about any of that or do you just stick to the things you've mentioned tv i do watch tv i do tend to watch tv every now and again just to kind of relax and watch something that you don't really need to pay attention to but you can just have on as background noise films i occasionally watch films but the constant kind of game running in my friend groups is what films has hubert never seen that everyone else has so films has never been really my I have watched some films, but not as many as probably other, a lot of other people have. Okay. And is that just, um, just to, <coughs> I guess, clarify, is that a result of just lack of interest in them so much? Like, it's not a case of them not being accessible? I think, no, it's definitely, films are definitely accessible. You can get audio description, which is fantastic. You can get it on films and TV shows. Yeah. I think my problem is films are just too long. Like, you sit there, have to sit there for two hours and keep your attention. My attention span spans not bad, but just I sit there for two hours when, like a TV show, you watch one episode that's an hour, and then you can do have a little bit of a sure. walk around for five minutes and go to another episode which is filmed. It's kind of like no two and a half hours I'm to sit there. I do watch it sometimes. I think it depends to what mood I'm in, but I'm rarely in a mood for a film. That's fair. Uh, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to uh, shame yourself as it were um but what like well-known films are there that you have not watched that may uh shock some people i think the biggest one because my mate always takes a mick out of me for this whenever kind of i issue an opinion on something completely unrelated i used to i sometimes get a phrase from my friend that kind of goes yes that's european that's all good but you haven't seen star wars i've never seen a single star wars film i I've never. I'm not saying I'll never see it, but I keep saying I will, but never gotten to it yet. So, I know all the I know all the classic quotes and such, but never seen a Star Wars film in my life. Yeah, that's fair. I think that is a big one uh, mm. that surprises people because it's Star Wars and James Bond that people are shocked by. It's like, how oh, have you not seen them? Yeah, that's fair. I will say I've only watched two Bond films. It's uh, it's one of those weird ones that. I don't know why I've never watched James Bond until recently because I think it is something that I'd be into. All the Star Wars, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a spy. Th- yeah, I think that both all these both these film tra- franchise sounds like something very interesting that I probably would enjoy. It's just I don't know. Can never because of the, all the other things I like to watch and listen to. I think it's a difficult to fit that in as well. Yeah, I think for me. In the case of Bond, anyway, I think it's just a situation because I am a big film fan. Like I'll happily, as long as um, I, you know, it's the correct kind of genre for me, I'll happily sit 
for you know two to three hours watching a film like you know see the recent the recent avengers film endgame was three hours and three minutes and i would have you know happily been there for longer like was i used to joke with people before that there was avengers infinity war and a story came out that said um it was two hours and 40 minutes and they'd the original cut before they you know made it shorter was four hours and i was like i'd have been perfectly fine with that um you know there are times where i would be i think there are certain times where like i've sat down it's like i'm actually going to watch this film because it does sound interesting i think if there's a film that is actually really interesting i will probably gladly sit there for the entire duration but i am so picky it would take a while for me to find that sort of film yeah no that's fair enough uh when it when it comes to uh if you put a tv episode on do you uh will you only watch one if you're able to use audio description or are you happy to have it on i even think if it, it doesn't? depends as to again how good the show is if i watch a show like there is uh i think there's a show i've watched called rain on netflix which right. has no audio description but because of the plot and because of the storyline it was so good that i was happy to sacrifice audio description in order to finish it so I'm not one of these people that will go, well, if it's got no audio description, it must be rubbish, But and I will not watch it. I will, but if it has audio description, I will be more likely to watch it. I think it's the best way of putting it, but I will not completely yeah. avoid shows that don't have AD if the plot is great. Yeah, but I think, because like you said, like, if the plot is great, whether it's a TV show or a film, I think you, you can still enjoy it without a description, in my personal opinion. There is. However... Well, there is because so, yeah. If you if something happens in the film and audio there's no audio description to describe it, you kind of you've got a chance of someone talking about it at some point later on in the film or the TV show. So definitely one way or another, you'll be able to figure it out. I've watched a series called uh, Alex Rider on Amazon Prime recently that had no audio description at all, but you could follow it. And I had someone trying to do, do do sitting next to me trying to describe things. So sure. you can do you can still follow it, and I think. It's yes, audio description is great, and it should be available by default, by le- by law, should be made made legally available everywhere. But also, if it isn't, that shouldn't be the reason to ignore something that potentially might be quite good. Yeah, I mean, admittedly as well, when it comes to having no audio description, I think it's fair to say I have a slight advantage over you due to me having a little bit of sight mm. as well. So there is that. But you're right as well that it's normally covered. But I do think. It cannot be understated, in my opinion, how it does add to it. For example, uh, I've watched uh, the Incredible Hulk uh, movie from 2008, the uh, second film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It, I've watched that multiple times, but never with audio description. Uh, however, it got brought to my attention that recently it's been made available on Netflix and it does now have audio description. So I watched it last night and obviously as i said first time with audio description and there's no doubt that it made the film a lot more enjoyable for me because there were mm. little bits you know that you would that i would have missed that it fills <coughs> in i still enjoyed it without audio description but i've enjoyed it a lot more with and I've... i think it's like me and the harry potter films yes it's the I same thing there yeah you watch the fi- i've watched the films year for years without audio description and i was yes. fine but when you watch it with your description, yes, like you said with the, with Incredible Hulk, you pick up these bits and say, like, I didn't even know this happened. Yeah, 
same with like you mentioned like Star Wars as well obviously with especially the original trilogy and even the prequel trilogy actually they came out you know before audio description was becoming more of a commonplace so thankfully with the re-releases audio description was on them funnily enough actually the guy who does the audio description for uh the original Star Wars trilogy uh was doing it for the Incredible Hulk uh like I recognize the voice but yeah it just it really does add to it and it's where you know like say I'm a huge fan of The Lion King love love that film the fact that it's now got audio description on Disney Plus just you know makes me enjoy it even more Certainly, I've watched the latest one, the most recent one they released in 2019. That was incredible. I went to actually watch it in the cinema with audio description. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, I will say um, I, some people aren't keen on the film, and that's because it is virtually a shot-for-shot remake. But the in my mind, I, you know, I enjoyed the original. So as the modern one is basically the same, why wouldn't I enjoy that as well? Absolutely, uh, and also I'm the kind of person, if I've watched the original and a shot-for-shot shot remake or a remake in general comes out, I want to still watch it because it it's, it's then interesting to compare the two, I find. Definitely. I think a big um, contractor against the film I've heard from many people, and I know my, my wife's mentioned it, is that because the animals are made to look realistic, they don't emote, and in her opinion, and I know many others, that detracts from the emotional scenes. Obviously, for people like um, you and myself, it's not really an issue. Um, mm. So that's, I guess, an, something to consider when it comes to my, you know, to my enjoyment of the film against uh, some people's, you know, dislike for it. Oh, absolutely. I think it, it, each person and how they receive how they receive the film is different. And at the end of the day, it's what works, and it's. What works for what works for each person. I think that's what makes everyone's opinions on like films so different because everyone looks at it from a very different perspective. Yeah, but like I say it's great when like you mentioned the Harry Potter's. Um, we mentioned Lion King. I mentioned Star Wars. It's great when older films are re-released with or description. So I, you know, I hope it happens with other films that I'm a big fan of from you know decades ago, such as uh, the Monty Python movies. I'm a big fan of those. I hope one day... I would love to see Life of Brian with audio description. Yeah, exactly. And Holy Grail. Meaning of Life mm. is good too, but Holy Grail and Life of Brian are mm. the superior yeah, two, in my it'd opinion. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Because I tend to watch Life of Brian at least once a year, and it's, like it's on Netflix, and so it'd be nice to watch you with audio description, see what see what, see what what it would do. Definitely. Yeah, I, def- I watch both Holy Grail and Life of Brian probably more than once a year. Ever since uh, I was introduced to them many years ago now. <clears throat> but yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, people may be curious to know, as obviously you said you um, moved over from uh, Poland um, when you were uh, 11 years old. Uh, do you, Have you gone back there at all since? We still have family there, so we do go back, but I think the frequency does depend because it's not obviously cheap to go there, but sure. we do go back on occasion because we do have family that we want to see, so I go back there every few years kind of for a, for a short visit. That's fair. I assume 
plane travel on your own isn't something you've um, had to do at any point? No, but it's something no. I am definitely considering for the future as one of my one of a, one of my challenges to do. Yeah, kind of do it on my own or with friends because you know, sighted people travel with their friends, so it's something I'd love to do at some point as well with my friends. Yeah, definitely, so it's definitely an option, definitely in the pipeline. Yeah, I mean, I can, I know I'm, my, my type of blindness varies to yours, but I can tell you it's doable from personal experience. But also, I, you know, I know there were people we knew at RNC who were fully blind and they um, managed to do it so no, it's def definitely doable it's just yes. doing it that's the main thing oh yeah of course it's it's it, <coughs> it could definitely be daunting mm. it's daunting but at the end of the day if you're not going to do it you'll never know and I always say if you're not sure about it I, then you should do it because at the end of the day the only way to find out is to try. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I'm fearful. I'll ask um, you because uh, with yourself uh, having no sight, I know with uh, when people have any element of blindness, I think there's some interest in knowing. But where are you? able to dream basically is what i'm asking because it's one of the i i did a uh, search into google you know i put can blind people and dream is the second one that comes up it is actually i've seen this before and it's also something i've been asked before by a lot of people yes yeah, it's a it's two questions i've been asked one is can you dream full stop yeah the other one is when you dream do you see do you, when you dream and you've been partially sighted and now you're blind when you dream do you still do you still see things the way you remember seeing them? And the answer yeah. to both is yes in this mm. case. Like, yeah. I do dream. don't always remember them, but I do dream. And yes, I do in my dreams see the things the way I would see them <coughs> from my memory, kind of. My memory recalls how I used to see things and brings them yeah. back, which is actually quite fascinating. It's a fascinating question to ask, actually. That's yeah. why probably it's kind of very popular, popularly searched on Google, because it is an interesting question. I know of the top three, I think it's the one that makes the most sense for a mm. question because the number one is drive. Uh, right. Yeah. I uh, think the answer is quite obvious. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, you know, if you want to test your eyesight. Um, no, but... Dominic Cummings helps, helped us out with that. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, moving away from politics. Um, <laughs> and the, the third one's cry. Which, yeah, exactly. That was uh, my response. Yeah, and uh, sure what to say. Other people's when I've mentioned it to them, yeah, it's like the only way I could feel like the answer would be no is if if someone's blind as a result of having their eyes removed and it's that's somehow removed the tear ducts. Probably, I think probably that's the only way. If the, yeah. whatever was producing the tears wasn't working. Yeah, logically. But uh, I guess to clarify, um, to uh, if people are wondering, uh, do you drive? Do you cry? I'm guessing it's no and yes. Uh, yes, correct. I yeah. do not drive, um, and uh, yes, I probably do cry, like yeah. every human does. But yeah, no, don't drive. I drive no. people insane, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, quite. Well, <clears throat> I think. Uh, We've uh, covered quite a decent amount there, Hubert. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for joining me. Not a problem. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And uh, I guess if you just want to quickly say again the name of uh, your podcast in case there are people who are interested. So yes, it's the VI Sound and Vision podcast, available on Audio Boom, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So yes, please give it a listen. Yeah. Yes, please do. And then, as Hubert said, just uh, come back and continue listening to this as well. Well, that was a very informative chat. Hopefully, you found it educational and somewhat entertaining. You can follow me on Twitter at the Blind Brennan. Send an email to theblindbrennan at gmail com, or join the Facebook group listen with your eyes if you can like share and rate the podcast that would be very much appreciated you've been listening with your eyes and you'll hear us again next time